Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Today is Friday with Friends, and I have a dear friend, Adele Bridges, who has been on here before. She's an international yoga teacher, and we discuss what it was like to be an international yoga teacher in the year 2020 when she wasn't able to travel and teach as she often does. We also talk about some other things that she's up to, like writing a book for hypermobile yogis. Please enjoy our podcast. Welcome, Adele. So happy to have you back on the podcast. I think it's been a little over a year or maybe more since you were on it last. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just the last time I was on the East Coast, May or June or something of last year. It would have been 2019 because yeah. last May we were on lockdown. <laughs> yes. You are the, Sorry, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. Like what, yeah, what happened? I, yeah. I erased 2020 from my memory. I know. I know. Um, I'm curious because you have part, so much of your profession is being nomadic, teaching, traveling to teach. What has this last year been like for you? It's been a learning curve, shall we say. Uh, I mean, it's been overall awesome because what I've discovered is, you know, I would always, I had like my YouTube classes like, you know, 20, 30 minute long classes on YouTube. But when it came to teaching full length classes or workshops, I didn't even consider the idea of doing that online. I always thought, you know, I have to travel around to do that and have a studio host me and all of this. And then with lockdown and all of the COVID restrictions, I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a go doing it online. And it turns out, well, obviously I can reach so many more people. Yeah. It's been really wonderful. The feedback that I've had also has been really nice. I've, I've had a lot of people who live in kind of rural places or countries that uh, international yoga teachers don't go to visit typically say like, oh, I'm so happy that you're doing it online and I get to join. And yeah, so it's, it's actually been pretty good overall. Of course, there's some things that um, I wish I didn't have to have learned. Um, about, but I think that goes for all of us. Exactly. Well, I think that's a, your overall experience is a real example of that, that pivoting and, and having the capability to maybe even expand your business or expand the idea of what your business is with just by being forced into it. You might not have otherwise yep. even tried that. 
Absolutely. Because I know uh, I started teacher training. Yeah. I started teacher training this year and I thought there's no way it could be as intimate as in person. And it was, it was interestingly very intimate. So I think that I think a lot of our preconceptions about what can be transmitted through this screen were, were, you know, smashed because if if you're a good teacher, you can transmit that information in person or virtually. Yeah, now, for sure. You also, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's a different media, a different format, but um, totally doable. And and I, yeah, I've had amazing experiences both teaching and being a student online. So yeah. So speaking of being a student, I know also since I last saw you, you have had some injuries, and I think injuries yeah. really. I don't know. They just, because I, again, I think it was probably May of 2019. And I think somewhere in that summer or late summer, you had an injury to your foot. Yeah. Um, good memory. Yeah. Some, I don't know, I have weird memory kind of like cogs in my brain. <laughs> some yeah. information that really serves and some is just like, but I do remember that. And, and I remember how well you handled it, but can you just speak about, I mean, you've talked about this on your Instagram, but just speak about what an injury, how an injury can be a teacher to you and what you learned through that experience. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I like to think of every, everything in life as an opportunity to learn. My, my motto is stay curious, always be a student, you know? And so if things are going really well for you, then you enjoy the fact that things are going well for you. But if not, then I always try and think, well, what can I learn from this? And with the injury, don't get me wrong, there were days when I just, I was overwhelmed with frustration. I just wanted to rip that cast off. I wanted to just, I wanted my legs to just fall off so I didn't have it anymore. I wanted to like, you know, there were definitely days where I was not this picture of <laughs> calm and happiness. Yoda-like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I always say that injuries are like heartbreak that, you know, you're always going to try and do everything you can to avoid it. But at some point in your life, if you are living life, if you're not just like holding yourself up in fear of something bad happening, but you're actually out there experiencing everything that this life has to offer, then those are things that are going to happen to you. And they suck, of course, but they teach you so much. They teach you about yourself. They teach you compassion for others. They make you stronger because they point things out to you about yourself or about the world that you didn't recognize before. You have more tools then of how to deal with these things. I mean, I could go on and on, but they're they're really an opportunity to, to see the beauty of so much more that we're we're oblivious to normally. And do you feel like with your injury, what it seemed like from afar is it almost, like you said, it you were so curious, but I think it it can it redirects like what you're not able to maybe physically do. You almost redirected that energy. I feel like you were learning a lot more from an academic standpoint. Obviously, there's a curiosity when you have a break and then you have to have surgical repair and it's so fascinating from the very cellular level to really start to understand how the body does heal, how it needs an opportunity to repair. What happens as that healing? What do you need to do to improve your chances of returning to functional, you know, pure, you know, full function? I think that's 
a really wise choice is when you have been, you know, whether it was like you couldn't wait bear for a while, you still were moving and stuff, but I feel like you started really moving into the direction of like learning at a deeper layer, some really, you know, more challenging material. Is that true? Yeah, definitely. And it was, I mean, file that one under something I was pushed into, not something that I chose to do, but, uh, but looking back, I was really grateful for it. I mean, my pranayama practice was on point during that time because it was very often all I could do, you know, and, um, and I knew the the benefits of breathing and various breathing techniques. Um, and, um, I mean, I, yeah, it's, and, and that has come to be very useful to me afterwards, uh, not with the injury, but just other things. I can go back to uh, what I learned about all of the different breathing techniques that were useful to me. And um, yeah, also learning about pain, uh, you know, what exactly is pain? And, you know, aside from tissue damage, because it's so much more than that. And um and the neurology of it all, like what's, what is the brain, how, how does the brain's map of the body work now? Like what's, what's changed about it since, uh, not just the injury, but since the surgeons like hacked into my ankle and, and did all of their, their stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just been, it's something that actually I'm still, I'm still very much on that journey, especially the, the neurology side of it, because my left foot still doesn't quite do what it's supposed to do when I'm walking. And so every single step can be a very in-depth exercise in mindfulness for me because there's, yeah, there's just so much that I'm learning about, you know, how your brain is interpreting your environment based on all of the different inputs that you're getting. And, and because my left foot has been through so much, it's sending some strange signals to my brain. Yeah. And and anytime you have an injury, I always say this with chronic ankle sprain people, but it's similar after a surgery, you have nerve damage and whatnot. But with an ankle sprain, you have these receptors that are in the connective tissue that are in the joint capsule. They are also damaged. And so people really work on the recovery, getting rid of the inflammation, getting back to movement getting some strengthening, but they forget sometimes about the importance of really rewiring and uh, speeding up that messaging from the appropriate receptors to the brain, because that is the important part that will prevent another sprain. Like you're saying, your brain is like delayed on that side, like getting all the micro adjustments and information. It's, we don't know it until it's not there how much is happening in like a nanosecond in terms of these fine recalibrations. And it is really fascinating. What kind of work are you, are you doing a lot of one-legged work? And I'm sure you've done that anyway, because of your yoga practice, but have you even done it more like blindfolded and on different surfaces? Yes. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm doing a lot of is neural flossing and also incorporating work with my vestibular system because what I have discovered, I um, I was lucky enough to go and have a, a few private sessions with Dr. Eric Cobb, who leads, who heads up Z Health, which is just this incredible program um, about like just the neurology of movement. And he helped me realize that 
the whole left side of my body has always felt a little bit numb and slow, and I've never understood why. And through doing a history with me and chatting with me, I remembered, oh yeah, I had meningitis when I was a baby <laughs> in oh the right goodness. side of my brain. Yeah. Uh, so that And for everybody, that's, when that's, yeah, the motor cortex, you, if it's the right side of the brain, it, that operates the left side of the body. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So wow. I've been doing things like a lot of neural flossing on the left side of my body. Um, if I'm like in my movement practice, I'll put um, my earplug in my right ear. And um, so, yeah, and I'm working on like my eye movements versus what my head is doing and all of these in my movement practice just to help kind of like help clarify that map for my brain of the left side of my body. I love that because that's really recalibrating from, you know, the inside out in in smaller but super significant ways because movement is so multifaceted. Mm -hmm. And of course the brain is a huge, I mean, it's, it's, we have a brain actually because we move things that don't move, don't have brains. It's almost that simple. Yeah. Um, Now going from that, Let's talk a little bit about the brain function for people with high or or difference for people who are hypermobile, because this is a huge, another, I mean, you have many different um, kind of passions, but this is a big one for you, the hypermobility. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit about what you've learned and what you teach in terms of how hypermobile people are different in terms of that wiring? Sure. I mean, I think um, without getting too complex with it, which I wouldn't be able to do anyway, I'd be going, wait, is it the cerebellum or is it the... So um, we'll skip getting too in-depth with it. But basically, the the reason that hypermobile people are hypermobile is because they're, the collagen, the most abundant protein in the body, is structured differently. And this creates a kind of muddied wiring of that that signal between the brain and the tissues so the the signal uh not just the the efferent signal so from brain to tissues not only does that get kind of muddied but going back the afferent signal from the tissues back to the brain so it's a, a proprioceptive uh issue in terms of you know that's when you don't actually understand where you're moving how you're holding your body if you have issues with your, your proprioception. And, um, it's, yeah, I mean, I suppose that's all I should say just to kind of keep it simple. Yeah. Well, so how does that, how does that manifest with somebody that's moving and you can use yourself an example because you know that. Yeah. 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 So, um, well with hypermobile people, we tend to also have very lax tissues and joints. And so we might be holding ourselves in a very sloppy posture, perhaps letting the ribs kind of flare out. If you imagine somebody in a plank position, for example, then they'll be sinking in their shoulders. Their ribs will be kind of flared out. Their hips will be poking up with their, you know, their low back being kind of crunched. Um, And you could say to them, hey, you know, push up out of your shoulders and draw your, your navel in or all of these kinds of cues that yoga teachers give. And they're like, I'm doing it. Uh, why are you still looking at me, talking to me? That's what I'm doing. And so you literally can't understand like how your body is in space 
And, and obviously like, yeah, over time, this can manifest in injuries, not just the kind of injuries that come from being clumsy, which a lot of hypermobile people are clumsy because of that lack of proprioception. And so they're literally just bumping into things. But obviously those, those kind of injuries that show up longer term over time from, from just chronically moving in a way that's not optimal. Mm-hmm. And, and when you teach, I'm sure it's an advantage that you are speaking from your own personal experience. How receptive have people been that are hypermobile to getting feedback? Because that was one of the questions um, people asked me to ask you is like, how mm. as a teacher do you best work with somebody who's hypermobile? Because again, sometimes yoga has, or many times yoga has really kind of rewarded these people because you can go into big ranges of motion. You're not getting the feedback. You're not getting the sensation. This is going into the joint capsule in range of motion. Maybe not a good place to go. No warning signs. So you can just, and you know, say 10 years ago, that was like all, that was definitely what you'd see on the yoga uh, magazine covers and whatnot. I think that is changing for sure. But do you see it when you're changing when you're teaching? Yeah, well, I would say I've got, yes, I I receive a lot of messages, very kind messages from people. And I think, well, one of the things that, um, that I'm really big on is I just, I'm always just like, squeeze your glutes, squeeze your butt, make sure you're activating your glutes. Cause, because that's just for everybody. Like if your glutes are active, then you're going to feel better. Yeah. Um, I like that. That's a good tip. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, and I'm a I big butt believer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> not enough yoga teachers are reminding people who, you know, are probably sitting in a desk all day and their, their glutes are uh, somewhat atrophied. Um, they're not, they're not reminding people to switch their glutes on. And so then they're doing lunges with their back leg, um, shot back behind them in a nice deep lunge and their glutes are inactive. And it's like, if you just tell somebody, squeeze your butt, then they're gonna be like, Oh, wow, that feels so much better. Um, but another big thing that I do is I encourage people to touch themselves. So I say, you know, draw your ribs in. If you don't know what that means, take your hand to your rib cage and feel as you tr- think about pulling your ribs in. Um, and I'm always like, if you know, if you're not sure if your glutes are active, reach back there and give them a poke. I'm always encouraging people to touch themselves. For hypermobile people, especially that really, really helps with that proprioception. Um, and then another thing that I do is I'm really big on encouraging people not to try and go super deep into any posture. And that's not just for hypermobile people. That's just because I'm, I'm so aware that people might look at me when I'm perhaps demoing a posture and they're like, I can't do it like that. I don't belong here. And, you know, and I'm, I never want anybody to feel that way. And so I always say like, you know, don't, don't worry about trying to go as deep as me. Don't, don't worry about trying to go to any depth. I want you to do what feels right for you. Maybe just go 80%. Um, so just constantly reminding people that it's not about getting into any particular shape necessarily, but, but just feeling in your body and experiencing that moment as you move towards that shape. Mm, love that. Yeah. And I think the feedback, I'm also a big hands-on your body person because mm. you need that feedback. You need that tactile reminder. We don't know what we don't know, what we can't see. And so we can only really reinforce what our, you know, the intellectual side and then put it in there into the sensory side so that 
we have more of a fighting chance of holding our shit together. You know, I mean, it really, yeah. you have to, you have to touch yourself and really get to know the body and get to know like, what does it mean when you're splaying your ribs versus just holding them a little bit more, you know, with some core control. So you and Celeste have mm-hmm. got, you've created this hypermobile yogi platform. You have, I know you have eBooks and you have, your Instagram page, but now you've gone and you've made a book. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about, without giving too much away, what what uh, this book is about? Sure. Well, we wrote it for hypermobile people. Uh, we wrote it. Yeah, it's it's very much like it's not surprising if you follow us on Instagram, if you subscribe to our mailing list, then yeah, it's you're not going to be surprised with the content that's in the book. It's all of that kind of stuff. We are explaining the biomechanics of uh, different joints in the body and how to work on um, bringing more strength to certain joints, especially. But um, yeah, we go into some of the other issues that hypermobile people face that aren't related to movement, things like fatigue and anxiety, gut issues, and um, and just a little bit of the the causes behind all of that. Now, what we've done though is obviously Celeste and I are both big anatomy and biomechanics geeks, and we've we've read a lot of books on the subject, and we've always found them to be quite dull and boring. Interesting, you know, to actually get the content, but kind of not so fun to read through it. So we have made this as a comic book kind of thing. So we've got our superheroes and our villains. And um, yeah, the superheroes are like those big stability muscles like your glutes and your serratus anterior and your your transverse abdominus, as well as things like active range of motion. Um, and yeah, we've got a few other characters. And then the villains are like we've got one, I think one, I think she's my favorite, sedentary seductress. I was going to be, there's got to be um, sedentary something. I love it. Oh, yeah. So and we've brilliant. got Mr. Sloppy. Uh, and so these are all the things that you're kind of tempted, you're tempted by. Or yeah, passive range of misery man is <laughs> 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 another one of our villains. So yeah, so we, we've tried to make it kind of fun and easy to understand and get through. And yeah, it's, um, it's, Obviously, as I said, written for hypermobile people because hypermobile people need this information and need to implement this information more than the general population. However, it's all stuff that anybody would benefit from. I agree. And I love this. It would be so fun to get this into schooling. I always say, you know, why is it that we're not learning about the body, about mechanics, about posture, about breathing, all these things as part of our curriculum in school? Because the one thing that we're going to have that, that, that is like irrefutable is our body you know, throughout our life and to walk around and not really have a good understanding of it until something goes wrong or until you know, you've put 30 years of being sedentary in and all of a sudden your body starts to quote unquote fall apart when in fact, yeah. that is not your destiny. It doesn't have to be. I, have you thought about going in, in, into, I don't know if it's like age appropriate, but doing anything like that in, in the school curriculum? No, I mean, I, I totally agree with you that um, it should be something that, that kids are taught more of. But um, but no, the only schools we've thought about going into are, are just trying to encourage 
um, yoga teacher yoga training teachers. schools mm-hmm. to put our book on their recommended reading list. We abs- I absolutely um, will. Awesome. Thanks. And I'll make it, sure you get a copy as well. <laughs> oh, thank you, honey. And I thought just like an image popped in my mind of like, you probably, I don't know if you were one of these kids or knew one of these kids, the ones who could like, basically it looks like they're dislocating their arm and they're going, you know, they're probably fourth grade, fifth grade. And everybody's like, oh my God. And they do it so many times. And I think, oh, you know, if we could tell those people, don't do that. That is not yeah. a gift. That is something that is really going to be a detriment. Um, I had a one of my daughter's friends and she would do it. And I'd say, listen, I'm a physical therapist. I'm commanding you to not do that. Like, it's kind of fun to show people all this stuff, but it, you're going to hurt. You're going to basically just wear out that labrum and it's not going to work for you to secure the, sh- the shoulder and you're going to have some subluxation and all that. And her eyes got really big. It's just, it's good to know these things that we all are born differently, but there are there is that common thread of like taking care of the body and learning good mechanics and understanding, you know, core stability and understanding brain mapping. Um, I just think it's so important. And when is yeah, your book? Totally. Gonna, yeah, when's your book going to be out? Uh, it's available for pre-order now, but uh, the the date of publication, I believe, is the sixteenth of March. Okay, we will look for that. Now, I have a question. If if you just were put on the spot and you just had to switch careers, what would you like to do? If you weren't doing oh. this, what would you be doing? I have a long list, actually. I, um, I was going to say, she's not going to have one thing because you're curious. But, so, <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I'd have to think about like which of the the which of my plan B's should I actually put into practice? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I've always, I, I love learning. So I've always kind of thought, well, maybe go back to go back to university and do a degree in something uh, like, so I can be a doctor. So I can be mm. Dr. Adele Bridges. <laughs> so fun. Dr. Adele Bridges, superhero and sleuth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like kinesiology yeah. or biomechanics or neuro, uh, you know, some kind of neuroscience. I think it would definitely be neuroscience. I mean, that's why I did my my undergraduate degree in psychology because I was always interested in the the yeah the neurology neurology of yeah. yeah of our behavior. Like yeah, being a, I wanted to be able to understand exactly what's happening in the brain to cause certain behaviors because my my viewpoint has always been well, if we can understand it, then we can change it or prevent it. Yes. Yes. So neuroscience would be up there. Any other yeah. like hidden talents or interests that you have? Well, I also love languages and yeah, my twin sister, she is a doctor in linguistics. Um, I remember that. And I might just go down that path with her or something. I don't know. So are um, languages um, kind of, like, do they come easy for you? The two well, of you? Obviously for her. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I say that, but I'm I'm a typical monolingual American. Um, I'm trying to learn French, but um, yeah, it's a little bit challenging at 35 years old uh, to start learning a new language. But yeah, I mean, just the concepts of language, the the yeah grammar and the uh, what's it called, like epitomology of words and mm. th- these kinds of things have always interested me. Oh, fun! So, do you like crossword puzzles? I do a crossword puzzle every morning. Oh my I do the gosh. New, New York Times crossword puzzle every morning with my coffee. Yep. Oh, high five. <laughs> uh, yes. I think when you love words, 
and you're curious and then you're kind of there's and obviously there's like a it's a game to it you know it's just like it it hits all the markers that's wonderful yeah yeah Yeah. I can see that about you well what are you (laughs) up to this year besides moving out of your flat we now I know having talked to you you're moving out of your flat you're going to be publishing this book what else is in store for you uh well I'm Hopefully in January, I'll be running um, a few more workshops just in a very similar format to what I've already done. But honestly, um, that's kind of going to be like practice for me, a little sort of practice session of using a new platform that I'm having built where, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to run. I've got a course in mind that I want to do and it's going to be a pretty big deal, like a yeah, not just like a two-hour workshop, but like an eight-week course that I'm working on. Um, and I'm like, I really want to just do it straight away, but it's so big that I know I need to take my time and make sure that when I get it out there, it's like it's at the right time and not and not because I've rushed it because it's a, it's big. But yeah, it's it's all about like, um, yeah, being able to listen to your body to understand what's best for you, basically. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. It's always good to catch up with you. Thank you, Laura. Uh, like, let's continue to be curious together and, and everybody else be inspired by Adele's enthusiasm and curiosity. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. I know, truly. So thank you. And thank you all for listening. And as always, I'm pulling for you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.